0: Welcome to Kingdom.think where we are reading the Bible in one year and we're in the book of Micah as we wind down the Old Testament and we're almost done. Um we're doing Micah f- chapters four, five, six, and let's just throw in seven. I know we're doing three at a time, but we're gonna try to do four, which means this could be a long one. We have a lot to unpack because chapter four of Micah, it's the prophet who's warning the people, he's warning of the impending doom and why it's happening. He's describing to them why they're suffering this way, and he's giving intense visual imagery and emotion. But he's also saying, "But God is so gracious and has so much mercy, and this is what He can, what He wants to do for you." And these are the things that are going to happen in the future. So there's a lot to unpack here, and Micah is telling the people so much. Um, of course, they don't listen, so they do get taken, captured um it's around the time that the assyrians are capturing um their land so let's just so i'm going to read a lot of different pieces my favorite is in chapter 5 when we get little clues into the coming messiah and they mention bethlehem so now we know why in the new testament um the king is afraid because he knows the messiah is going to come out of bethlehem um crazy. Okay. Um, and then, and then chapter six, he talks about why Israel is guilty of punishment, but then chapter seven, there's so much hope. So a lot to unpack. And I'm just going to read different pieces. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord, the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and the people will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his path. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many people, peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. You know, a lot of this, I hope, is still to come because... Some of these nations today, they need to be taken out. Not the people, but certainly the governments, the corruption, justice. See, God loves justice. He does not like people being oppressed. God loves justice. Um, Even though he has tremendous mercy. So I think there is going to be discipline even to the nation's that we live in today. All nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God forever and ever. So then, the second half of chapter 4, it's the plan, God's plan In that day, declares the Lord, I will gather the lame, I will assemble the exiles and those I have brought to grief. I will make the lame my remnant, those driven away a strong nation. The Lord will rule over them in Mount Zion from that day and forever. As for you, watchtower of the flock, stronghold of daughter Zion, the former dominion will be restored to you. Kingship will come to daughter Jerusalem." Why do you cry aloud? Have you no king? Has your ruler perished? That pain seizes you like the woman in labor? Wow, okay. So there's hope, but then he's acknowledging just the realities of what is wrong with you people. Um, verse 11, but now many nations are gathered against you. They say, let her be defiled. Let Our eyes gloat over Zion, but they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan, that he has gathered them like sheaves to the threshing floor. Rise and thresh, daughter Zion, for I will give you horns of iron. I will give you hooves of bronze, and you will break to pieces many nations. You will devote their ill-gotten gains to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord of all the earth. Okay, that was chapter four. Let's move on to chapter five. Of course, there's so much to unpack in chapter four, but we're not going to. Just read it. Let's see what your spirit says, but let's see what's being foretold in chapter five. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites." He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our, our peace. When the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortress, we will raise against them seven shepherds, even eight commanders, who will rule the land of Assyria with a sword, the land of Nimrod, with a drawn sword. He will deliver us from the Assyrians when they invade our land and march across the borders. So the Assyrians, so sometimes you read it like, oh, this is happening in that time when the Assyrians were present. This does not relate to the future. But if you think about oftentimes, God uses examples, symbolism, symbolism, One thing represents another thing. So the Assyrian army can represent anyone who's God's enemy. Who are the Assyrians in your life? Who are God's enemies that are trying to knock at your door and take over your territory? Who is the enemy to God that is trying to invade his people? So even though we're reading about the Assyrians, ultimately it's a representation of God's enemies. Pretty cool, right? Um, and then, of course, we get glimmers into Bethlehem and this mighty person who will stand and shepherd his flock. Who's that? In my opinion, I, I'm pretty sure. I haven't dug deeper, but it sounds like it's a clue into the coming Messiah. Very cool, right? Um, chapter six. Oh, wait a second. Here's something I just glanced up. I will destroy the cities of your land and tear down all strongholds. Ooh, Ooh, this is so good. How could I skip this? Uh. Okay, so chapter five, we mentioned the coming of the Messiah. Now we're moving down to chapter 10. In that day, declares the Lord, I will destroy your horses from among you and demolish your chariots I will destroy the cities of your land and tear down all your strongholds. I will destroy your rich witchcraft and you will no longer cast spells. I will destroy your idols and your sacred stones from among you. I will no longer bow down to the work of your hands. I will uproot from among you your Asherah poles and demolish your cities. I will take vengeance in anger and wrath on the nations that have not obeyed me. Pretty clear don't do witchcraft, don't cast spells, don't have idols, be careful. It very much makes God angry. (laughs) Very, very clear. This chapter is powerful. Moving down to chapter 6. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up. Plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, you mountain, the Lord's accusations. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. The Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent you Moses to lead you and also Aaron and Miriam. My people remember what a Balak king of Moab plotted. And what? Okay, so God is like, why have you not turned away? What have I... Have you not seen what I've done for you? And what have I done that makes you so... um, What have I done to you that you would treat me like this? God's just in anguish. Verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and love mercy. And to walk humbly. Be humble and walk humbly with your God. So then at the end of chapter 6, he's talking about the guilt and the punishment that the Israelites will get. Your rich people are violent. Your inhabitants are liars. And their tongues speak deceitfully. Therefore, I have begun to destroy you, to ruin you because of your sins. Which is a cause and effect. We get... The consequences of our action. You will eat but not be satisfied. Your stomach will still be empty. You will store up but save nothing because what you save I will give to the sword. Okay, so these are the consequences. Moving down to chapter 7. Now remember, God doesn't want to do these things, but sometimes it's like if you have a rebellious child who just keeps doing the same thing over and over and over and over. And eventually it's like, okay, you know what? You're going to have to deal with the consequences of your action. It's the only way you're going to learn. And that's what God's telling the people. You're going to have to deal with the consequences of your action. It's the only way you're going to learn. But I'm going to give you hope because I'm still here for you. And when you humble your heart and you turn back to me, I'll be here and I'm going to save you. I'm going to, and sadly, you're going to have to go through a lot of misery, uncomfortableness because you're not repenting, but you can shorten that misery. If you just turn and humble your heart and repent, that's what God's looking for. Ultimately, what misery is mine. I am like the one who gathers summer fruit at the glean. Okay, more metaphors. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. But we're going to move down. So please, go back and read it. It's powerful. Um, but the part I wanted to read, because I just love hearing what God has to say. The day God visits you has come. The day your watchmen sound the alarm. So the prophets are telling them. But you've waited to the very last. You're, you've, you've waited and it's time's running out. The day of your watchmen sounds the alarm, now is the time of your confusion. When all the disaster happens it's just gonna be chaos and confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend, even with the woman who lies in your embrace, guard the words of your lips. For a son dishonors his father, a daughter rises up against his mother her mother, a daughter in law against her mother in law, a man's enemies are the member of his own household. Interesting. Isn't that so interesting? That in these last days, you want to, um, your enemies will be in your own household. I just find that so interesting. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Israel, and then moving the last part of chapter 7, where Israel will rise up. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath. Okay, that's crazy stuff, right? This is powerful. This is acknowledgement. This is a change in heart. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath. Until he pleads my case and upholds my case, he will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. Then my enemy will see it and will be covered with shame. She who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her downfall. Even now she will be trampled underfoot like a mire in the street. Moving to the very end of chapter 7. Well, let's see. Let me start with 14. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, which lives by itself in a forest, in fertile pasture lands. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead in the As in the days long ago, as in the days when you came out of Egypt, I will show them my wonders. Nations will see and be ashamed, deprived of all their power. They will put their hands over their mouths and their ears will be come death. They will lick dust like a snake, like creatures that crawl on the ground. They will come trembling out of their dens. They will turn in fear to the Lord our God and will be afraid. Who is a God like you? Who pardons sin and forgives, the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. On us, you will tread our sins underfoot, and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham, as you pledged an oath to our ancestors in the days long ago. Such hope, such love God has for his people. Like a parent who will always love his child, even though they have to suffer the consequences of their action. But this is way more powerful, of course, than even a parent's love. But that's all we know. God is forever, ever forgiving and merciful and loving. We don't get that if we don't really read. Word for word in the Bible. Okay, my friends, that was Micah chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7. It was a lot to unpack. I hope you go and read it. And and don't be um, bored or intimidated or not intrigued by these prophets. Because it's God speaking through them. And God's word is timeless. So even though he's speaking to the Israelites... It's you. It's me. Even though he's talking about Assyria, the enemy, that is a representation of the enemy in your life that's trying to take you from God. It's trying to take you away from your blessings and your inheritance, trying to distract you from your true identity. All right, have a great day, and I shall see you soon.